evidence and answers. You're tuned to Evidence and Answers with your host, Pat Zucaran. Pat is an author, teacher, and international speaker in the arena of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. How do you define success in life? Would it be power, money, or fame? Many even involved in ministry may use these terms. However, these are false definitions of success. Today, Pat will be sharing about success and detail what the third epistle of John has to say. If you're unable to hear this entire broadcast, all of our messages are available on our website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. Here's our host, Dr. Pat Zucran, with the message entitled, How Do You Spell Success? I'm speaking on the book of 3 John today. You don't hear many sermons on 3 John, do you? 3 John is one of the Apostle John's general epistles, and it's a small book, only 15 verses, but it carries a pretty powerful punch. John here is writing to a leader in a church, his personal friend named Gaius, and he has to address some pretty serious issues here in this short little letter. Now, as leaders here, we all want to be successful in life. We want to be successful in career and in ministry or whatever organization God places us in as a leader. We want to be a success. Now, what is the definition of a success? What does it mean to be a successful leader? In our culture, success is often measured when it comes to ministry by the size of a church or fame or even the wealth of a person or how large his organization is. When it comes to things like ministry, people often measure success in ministry or the success of a church by the three B's, bodies, buildings, and budgets. How big are your buildings? How many people attend your church? How big is your budget? Now, if you buy into the world's definition of success, it can lead you down a wayward and dangerous path. When I was in graduate school many years ago, one of my favorite professors gave us a definition of success in ministry, and it has stuck with me ever since. It was perhaps one of the top five sermons that really changed my life. He was standing there addressing many of us who are going to go into leadership positions in ministry, and he says, I'm tired of hearing about size, size, size as the measure of success, whether in ministry or in business. He said, success in ministry or in leadership, he said, success is defined in one word, integrity. Success as a leader is defined as integrity. Remember that, and it has stuck with me and transformed my life. But the biblical definition of success as a leader is integrity. And 3 John is a personal letter written to a leader and a friend of John. And in this letter, John tells us what it means to be a person of integrity. He's writing here to Gaius, a member of a church in Asia Minor, that's present-day Turkey, whose leader, Diotrephes, was overtaken with selfish ambition. And John had to write to Gaius about Diotrephes, who was causing problems for John and his associates. And he wrote to Gaius because Gaius was a leader, but more importantly, Gaius was known by the brethren to be a man of uncompromising integrity. Now, 
What do we mean by integrity? Let's define integrity. According to the Strong's lexicon, it defines integrity as incorruptibility, soundness of mind. That's a pretty good definition there. And when we talk about soundness, we're talking about moral soundness or sincerity. The Greek-English lexicon defines integrity as the quality of sincerity as an expression of singleness of purpose or motivation, sincerity, purity of motive. A person of integrity then has one motive, and that is to serve and honor the Lord. Now some outwardly serve the Lord, but actually use that as a platform to promote themselves. I have been around men like this, who in, on stage, they're talking about honoring the Lord. But once off stage, the only thing they talk about is themselves and their accomplishments. I'm sure you have been around those kinds of people. A person of integrity is driven by one motive, and that is to serve and honor the Lord, even if it comes at a great personal cost to him. Their single motive is to honor the Lord and not to exalt themselves. I remember a few years ago talking to a youth pastor who, after two years at the church he was working at, was then asked to leave that church and go on to another ministry. And as I began talking with him, he was really downtrodden and heartbroken over what had happened. And he shared that when he got there, the youth ministry, most of it was bringing, you know, a big group of teenagers together for fun time. They went, you know, the church spent money to send these kids to a roller skating rink or, you know, a basketball gym or a game center, play a lot of games. They'd take a break and have a 10-minute devotion, and then they'd go back to their game playing. And the church he was at was a pretty good-sized church. They had a game center, and often the kids would come to the youth event, play the games at church, and then have a 10-minute devotion, and then go back to playing the games. And he said, well, he changed the program to more a Bible-teaching, discipleship kind of ministry. He took out a lot of the game nights and a lot of the games from the church and wanted it to become a place where the Word of God is taught, worship of the Lord took place, and young men and women were discipled in the Lord. Well, as a result of changing the program, his attendance dropped quickly. It, it, it dropped about 60% in size. And, you know, it was his goal to get the ministry back to a more biblical model of ministry, and hopefully as... Young people were grounded in the Word and discipled. They would start reaching their friends and the ministry would grow. But it, it would take a while for that to happen. However, after the second year, because of the drop in attendance and the complaining of the young people to their parents, eventually the complaining got to the pastor and the board and eventually they fired him or asked him to leave the ministry. And he was completely heartbroken over that. And I sat down with him and I said, Brother, you made the right decision. As a leader, you did what God had called you to do, all right? So don't hang your head down. You did what God called you to do. You walked in integrity. You stayed faithful to your mission and to God's Word. So as long as you have walked in integrity and you weren't, you know, a jerk about it or anything, as long as you walk with integrity, 
hold your head high. God has other doors and other ministries for you. And so don't be ashamed or get down on yourself. You can walk high. Proverbs 10, 9 says, whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but he who makes his ways crooked will be found out. And so, you know, the life lesson we learn here is this, to walk in integrity, even if it may cost you dearly, may cost you your job or your raise or a promotion, walk in integrity and let God uphold you. If you walk in integrity before the Lord, you're going to walk securely. God will uphold you. You won't have to spend sleepless nights wondering if you're going to be found out. But the second half of verse 9 says, but he who makes his ways crooked will be found out. You know, eventually the things that you have covered up in dishonesty are eventually going to be found out. We're seeing that now with several people who were once presidential candidates. The things that they had done in secret when in power are indeed coming to the light now. And many leaders who walk in dishonesty think they have things covered up. You think they are walking securely and happy, but at night they are not sleeping well. They're trying to see if they covered up their tracks. Does somebody out there know what has happened? Who knows the secrets that are in the closet? How do I keep them quiet? You see those leaders not looking well, looking a lot older, spending a lot of sleepless nights. But if you've walked in integrity, you're really not going to have anything to fear, no matter what may happen. And God will uphold you, whether removing you from that situation and opening a new door, whatever it may be, you can walk with peace and assuredness because you know before the Lord, you walked in integrity and honored Him. And He'll take care of your reputation, whatever people may say. You can walk out with your head high knowing you've honored the Lord and He will open the door to the next ministry or job opportunity that He has for you. But if you compromise your integrity, well, you're going to spend a lot of sleepless nights hoping no one's going to find out and that your tracks have been covered. So that's the definition of integrity. How is integrity revealed? Well, it's in revealed in several ways, especially for the Christian leader. Integrity first is revealed in faithfulness to the Word of God. John writes here to Gaius, he says, For I rejoice greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth, as indeed you are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. John rejoiced to hear that his friend Gaius was walking in the truth. Now, the phrase walking in truth is repeated several times in this letter and throughout John's letters of First and Second John. And it means not living perfectly, but it means living consistently according to God's word. And this was the reputation of Gaius. He was a man who consistently lived in obedience to God's word and walked according to God's word. Faithfulness to teach the truth and live the truth is a very difficult thing. And often you're going to be challenged to compromise. And a person of integrity remains faithful to obeying God's word no matter what it may cost. Now, I remember a few years ago, my professor, Norman Geisler and Ron Rhodes and other members of my graduate school, Southern Evangelical Seminary out there in North Carolina, won a lawsuit against a particular cult group. 
Now, this cult group had come from Asia, and they were a very wealthy cult group. And the problem was, whoever criticized them, they would quickly file a lawsuit against that individual or organization. And because of the money it would cost to go to court, the group would often have to back down and retract their articles or their criticism of it. But indeed, they were a cult group. Well, Dr. Geisler and Dr. Rhodes and others had written an article critiquing this particular cult from Asia. And indeed, they got a lawsuit filed against them from this particular group. Well, they went to court and for the first time in the United States, they won the lawsuit. And hopefully that set a precedent that this cult group would stop suing everybody who critiques them. But they won that lawsuit, and that was a very significant victory for all ministries that hold to biblical Christianity. Well, just a few weeks later, a popular radio talk show host, very popular radio talk show host with a national audience and a national radio show, endorsed this particular cult. And that shocked many of us. We wondered how this particular radio host who seems to know so much about the Bible and theology and doctrine and spends a lot of time defending biblical doctrine against cult groups would suddenly come out and endorse this particular cult. Well, eventually we found out that this particular cult offered this radio talk show host a lot of money if he would endorse their ministry. And that's one of the reasons why he endorsed their ministry. And that got many of us really upset. But you see, that was a compromise of integrity. Now, since then, along with several other things he had to do, you know, if you're willing to compromise over, you know, receiving large funding like that, you're willing to compromise over other things. And this popular radio show host has, and as a result, his radio show has lost a lot of their audience and he has, he has had to cut back significantly on the radio stations across the country where he airs and his ministry is no longer the large ministry it once was. But you see, faithfulness to the truth is a difficult thing and often it comes at a cost. And you're often going to be challenged as a Christian leader to compromise on the things which you believe, but a person of integrity remains faithful, knowing that if he honors God, God will indeed uphold him and his or her organization in due time. So the life lesson we have here is this. Measure your success not with the three Bs, bodies, buildings, and budgets, but by faithfulness to God's word. Obeying God's word is sometimes very difficult because it is often countercultural. It goes against the values and the philosophies of the culture. So it is indeed a struggle. And as a Christian leader, you will be accused of many things in ministry, good and bad. But through it all, keep your integrity, and one day things will come to light. Walk in integrity and let God be your judge. And sometimes you may receive 
unfair, unjust criticism as a Christian leader. And sometimes only God will know the truth. But walk in faithfulness to God and let him uphold your reputation. Psalm 37 verse 23 says, The steps of a man are established by the Lord when he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be cast headlong, for the Lord upholds his hand. Those who walk in obedience to the Lord will face tough times, in fact, even stumble. But if you don't compromise on your integrity and remain faithful to God's word, God will uphold you in, in due time. I've seen this in my many years of ministry. You know, I've seen it over and over and over again. Though men and women of integrity who do not who remain faithful to God's word may stumble for a while in the end God restores and upholds them so God is the ultimate judge you'll receive a lot of criticism for remaining faithful to God's word but he will uphold you and those fiery darts those accusations will simply fall off as God is your shield and he upholds you I remember, you know, one of the churches I served at as an associate pastor, I served there for several years, and then a lot of negative things were said about me, and when I left, I was heavily criticized, I was blamed for, you know, by many people for being, you know, the problems in the church, but I knew that the things that I was being accused of were indeed not true. But, you know, if I tried to defend myself or answer these accusations, people would have just leveled more accusations or said things like, look, Pat's defensiveness shows you he is guilty. You know, they, they weren't listening. And so, you know, I quietly walked. I didn't say anything bad and just quietly walked away. Well, four years later, they went through the exact same thing and they realized that indeed I was not the problem. In fact... Uh, I had done a lot to help out that church. So uh, it took four years to the truth was finally discovered. But eventually, the, you know, God upheld my reputation and my integrity. And that was finally revealed. But it took some time. You know, as a young man, I was really upset for a year or two. And why hadn't God vindicated my character and my reputation? And, uh, and I was really upset and angry at God about that. But it took about four years for everyone to finally realize what had really gone on and uh, my reputation, my integrity had been vindicated. So sometimes when you don't see vindication from the Lord right away, you just have to be patient, all right? God is patient with us and eventually he allows the truth to come forward and he will uphold your name. So integrity in a Christian leader is revealed in his faithfulness to the Word of God. Secondly, integrity is revealed in their servant attitude. In verses 5 through 8, John writes this, Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their way in a manner worthy of God, for they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these that we may be fellow workers for the truth. Gaius's integrity was revealed in his servanthood that reflects the character of Jesus. Jesus came to serve. And he said, well, whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. 
even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Gaius took care of Christians who came his way, and he was commended for his servanthood attitude. And that's the mark of a man or a woman of integrity. They have a heart not to be recognized and be up front and be, you know, receive the acclaim of men and women, but they're willing to serve, even if the only person who knows what they've done is God himself. You know, there are a couple pastors I work for and quite a contrast. You know, I remember one pastor I worked for, we came into the board meeting and I remember he came in there with a very stern look on his face and he said, there was a serious incident that occurred this past Sunday, a very serious incident. You know, and I thought, oh man, what happened? Something gets stolen? You know, somebody get hurt? You know, what happened here? And he said, do you know what happened? The senior pastor looked at all of us. He said, I had to empty the trash can in the kitchen there. I had to empty the trash can. I am the senior pastor, and I, wearing my suit and tie, had to empty the trash can. So he looked around the room, and he said, what are we going to do about this? You know, and back then I was young and foolish. You know, I, I got a little upset, and I said, well, if Jesus can wash the disciples' feet, you know, the staff can empty the trash. And if, if that's a big problem, I'll, I'll make sure that the trash cans are clean and not overflowing. Of course, I received quite a backlash from that. But you see, integrity is revealed in servanthood. You know, in contrast, I worked for another pastor. I remember worked in the downtown area of my city there. And of course, I had the midnight shift from 11 to 7 a.m. And there was a lot of homeless and street people walking around the streets of the downtown area where my radio station was. And I remember working there late at night and there was a homeless man outside our front door and you know when the sun rose and people started coming to work about 6 30 a.m they noticed that th this homeless person had left the era but had defecated all over the front door it was just a smelly awful mess and you know people were, were walking by coming into the office saying well someone's got to go clean that up and you know i'm getting off in about 30 minutes and I said oh gee guess who that's gonna be when I got off my shift at 7 a.m. I kind of messed around and delayed you know because I really didn't want to go out there and clean up that mess I finally you know grabbed the hose and I started walking out to the front door and it was all completely clean nicely scrubbed decontaminated and clean and I came right back you know into the church and I said hey who cleaned up that mess outside and the secretary just looked at me real nonchalantly and said, oh, Pastor Richard, he does those kind of things, you know? And I was just shocked that the pastor, you know, would go out there and clean this all up. Well, that showed me integrity, a servant's heart. And so, you know, when Pastor Richard asked me to do anything from then on, it was always, yes, sir, you know, because he demonstrated a man of integrity, a servant's heart. And that kind of leader you're willing to follow and do anything for. You see, we can tell when a person is seeking recognition and is driven by false motives, but we can also discern when a leader is driven by a sincere desire to simply serve the Lord and serve his people. That's a person of integrity. So the life lesson is this, seek to serve. Don't worry whether you'll be recognized or not. And you know what? If you have that attitude, there's gonna be joy in your service to the Lord. 
Now, in the following verses, 9 through 10, John exposes integrity compromised. Integrity often gets compromised when selfish ambition gets in the way. He writes in verse 9 and 10, Diotrephes, who loves to be first, will have nothing to do with us. I have written something to the church, but Diotrephes does not acknowledge our authority. So if I come, I will bring up what he is doing, talking wicked nonsense against us, and not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who want to and puts them out of the church. Once again, our time has come to a close. Thank you for joining us here on Evidence and Answers Radio Broadcast. We hope you enjoyed today's show. If you would like Pat to speak at your church, Bible study, or perhaps at a conference, please give him a call at 483-0586, or you may contact him through the Evidence and Answers website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. Here at Evidence and Answers, we rely on the generous support from you, our listeners. To keep this broadcast on the air, you have the opportunity to donate. Head on over to our website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. You may do so right there online on the homepage. You'll also find we have a wide variety of resources available to you. Everything from atheism to Zen Buddhism, including articles, additional audio, as well as Pat's books. Be sure to share our website with your family, your friends, and your church. Evidence and Answers is grateful for our key sponsor, Highland Capital Management, providing investors with alternative investment solutions. To learn more, visit them online at hcmlp.com. Join us again next time on the air or online as we provide compelling reasons for faith in Christ. That's Evidence and Answers with Pat Zucran. Evidence.